I, I think he's starting to get used to the fact that, oh, car rides could be fun. My name is Kevin Fryert. My 30-year career at Pfizer gave me the chance to learn about the many facets of drug discovery and development. When I retired, I started Salem Oaks to help patients, parents, and caregivers understand the world of biopharmaceutical R&D so that they can be more effective partners and shape the future of medicine. On Raising Rare, we are bringing you the story of a young father whose son has an ultra-rare disorder known as Sedegatian type bondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. Each episode, we will find out what is going on in the life of Sanath and his son Raghav. We will talk about Raghav's growth and development, ongoing and upcoming research, and the challenges and adventures that raising a child with a nearly unknown condition brings. Subscribe to the Raising Rare podcast to hear the story unfold. to Raising Rare. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper with Sanath about how Raghav's daily and weekly medical uh, care impacts their life and the types of things that they need to do to accommodate that. So let me ask you first, Sanath, how is Raghav doing? Is he settling into the new home well? Yeah, no, he loves the new home. I'm glad we actually moved here. There's a lot more space for him to move around there's a lot more things for him to look at and play with. And at the end of the day, I think COVID has a silver lining there, um, which means we, 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 all, we all stay at home and work from home, which means we get to spend a lot more time with Raghav. That has given him a substantial boost in communication because he sees us a lot. Uh, he talks to us a lot. And, and you know, every, every two hours we go play with him a little bit. So yeah, he's doing really well. I think also because of COVID, we have been traveling out with him less, and so he's getting um, sick less, which means I, I think he's able to sort of use his body's health uh, to its maximum potential. Previously, we would go to 10, 10, to, like 10 to 15 therapies and doctor's appointments uh, a, a week. Sometimes 10, yeah, not maybe not 15, but sometimes 10. And, and that was affecting his health? He was making his health poorer? It was. So we didn't realize that. We thought it was just his medical condition that's um, giving him constant trouble. And we thought it was just a medical condition because of which he didn't develop as fast as he could. And after COVID, when we were all grounded, we realized that it's not just his medical condition. It's uh, the fact that he was getting sick often. And his sickness wouldn't be you know, fever or cough. It could be a variety of things. Uh, or it could just be tiredness throughout the day because he's been traveling um, uh, one hour in the car. And we just didn't realize that could cause a lot of these problems. So now we are sort of slowly ramping up on his travels and, and going to the doctors and stuff like that. But we are very cognizant of keeping him at home as long as we can uh, so he can thrive in his, in, at his best. Yeah, we talked before how the telemedicine had freed you up. Um, and uh, you just mentioned that. And I, I wanted to remind people that yeah, telemedicine had a real benefit here. But now, Seattle is opening up now, right? Yes, that's right. 
we are we are now in phase one of our opening up, and the county has uh, made an application for phase two. Connecticut actually goes to phase two tomorrow, and so things are opening up. And I've actually been working with some people trying to open some things up. I'm guessing because it's starting to reopen. Um, and as you've said, you've started to go to your in-person medical visits. How is that going and, and what's different post-COVID? We went to our first medical visit uh, recently. A few things stood out very clearly. Pre-COVID, when we go to doctor's appointments, Raga would sort of stare at the walls, uh, stare at doctor's faces. He, would have, he wouldn't express what he was thinking and feeling. For the first doctor's appointment that we went, which was an audiology appointment to check how he's hearing, uh, we had to go into a sound booth. And so I pushed the stroller into the sound booth. And the moment I pushed it into the sound booth, he started crying. It, it, didn't, it didn't take him even a second to realize uh, and, and start reacting. He just reacted instantly. And that's a phenomenal improvement in communication. What we thought was overall slowdown of his reactions because, you know, from the from birth, he had slower reactions to light. He had slower reactions to touch. But now it seems to be sort of picking up pace. And we are seeing a lot of these instant reactions, instant communication. He has, a, he has less of the, the times where he's staring at walls. That's just pre and post COVID. So I, I, don't, I don't know how the, the, the three months of being at home helped, but I think it's helped a lot. Have, have the doctors and nurses noticed that? And how did they react to the advancement that he had made? Uh, yeah, everybody is super excited. All of his therapists are actually really excited because they see them. They see him every week, and some of some of the therapists see him every two weeks. Um, especially the ones that we, they see every two weeks, they can start to notice uh, huge leaps in his in his in his improvements. And and now the expectation is so high that they keep asking us what 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 new did Drago do today? So it's it's really exciting to actually talk about new things that he did. Uh, because we've, we've never had these small wins before and we'll take as much small wins as we get. Yeah, they're wonderful things, right? It's a, you just, you just see him growing into being who he's going to be. And, and it's starting with just those little tiny steps. How big is he getting now? He's getting much taller and heavier, heavy, heavier to a point where my, wife's, my wife keeps complaining that he's getting heavy and I'm not able to lift her. Um, so, for example, I'm the only one who puts him inside the car seat and gets him out of the car seat. It's starting to get to a point where he's uh, a little bit hard to manage physically, uh, just to move him around. But otherwise, he's just wonderful. You mentioned the car seat. Now, I want to actually try to paint a really vivid picture of what taking Raghav to his healthcare is really like, or taking him anywhere. So I thought we'd first talk about kind of the planned appointments. Let's talk about the, the regular health care that you have for him. So are they, what, what kind of planned appointments are on the list? So usually he has, um, he has at least one appointment uh, per month with his specialist doctors. Um, that includes his neurologist, GI doctor, ophthalmologist, audiologist, neurodevelopmental that's the smaller list. Um, I think there's, there's more that I can, I can think of if I start to look into the medical records. At least these, these are appointments that are planned. Um, and the unplanned ones typically tend to be cold, cough, fever, those kind of things that happen occasionally. 
for his for his planned appointments we ramya spends a lot of time scheduling those appointments and rescheduling them to adjust to our schedules uh, adjust to raghav's schedules because his therapies and his appointments he needs a full time person to be able to manage his calendar and are all these at seattle children's hospital or are they around the city all of them are seattle children's that's one good thing about the children's hospital is they are one stop shop so we are very familiar with the system we know how to navigate the system we know who's who there all of the providers can talk to each other without you know any sort of paperwork being signed and they can just e- exchange emails um and so typically what happens is when every appointment that he goes to with a specialist they usually look at his previous chart notes and understand what's going on with his life and, and these chart notes end up being pretty detailed so they have a good perspective of uh okay raga went to audiology and here's what the audiologist said or he went to neuro neurology and here's what the neurologist said and so everybody sort of up to date in the in that respect so we don't spend any time explaining everything again and again that's actually great because when you talk to other people that are in your situation who don't have a center like them close by one of the biggest headaches is getting all the doctors to be able to talk to each other and think outside their narrow window. I remember that was my case back when I had cancer. That was the first thing I noticed is like there's all these people, but are they talking to each other? I never see it. Am I supposed to communicate? What what's my role here? If they're all in one system, that's pretty cool. So how far is Seattle Children's from your home? It's about 25 minutes of drive. It's through a toll road, um which means we are pretty much guaranteed about 25 to 30 minutes uh at any time of the day. And so when we picked our new home, uh that was one of the biggest criteria for us is to stay within that time range to Seattle Children's because we knew we would have to keep going there again and again and again. Uh, but we didn't and we didn't want to put him through a lot more stress. When we picked our home, we had all of the criteria laid out. in um, uh, and and the things that checked the boxes were houses that were in a particular street in bellevue <laughs> so it needed it needed to be this amount of of distance from the freeway it needed to have as this much access to seattle children's it needed to be in this much price range and it needed to be all in one floor um, so raghav can move around without us you know carrying him up and down the stairs uh, and so there were two big communities in one street that checked all the boxes and we we fortunately were able to get one of the houses in the community that's fantastic to to be able to take all those criteria and f- find the one some people can't find a house cuz it's not the right color you know simple things you had some real specific requests of the the home you were looking for so when you take him to the hospital or to the medical visit does he need any special equipment to be transported or does a standard car seat work and a stroller work for him uh, no a standard car seat and a stroller works um it has worked so far we end up carrying him um if if it's just a short distance the hassle of putting him in and out of the taking him in and out of the stroller is reduced we were talking about special equipments once we once he gets heavier it would be harder to you know pick him up and put him up put him in the in the car seat the the problem with with the car seat is he doesn't still have head control and and so he's still in the same position as uh, a a newborn would be uh he's in a he's in a bigger car seat than a newborn seat but he's still uh, in sort of the uh, the 1 to 3 month time range for position 
which means that um, he's facing backwards. Um, he's facing the uh, he's facing the seat there, uh, and we have to lift him up to put him in the inside the car seat. So it's becoming a challenge, uh, and we've been thinking about other options. But I, I think it's we probably have a few months, or maybe up to a year, or more than that, to figure out uh, other options. But besides that, he's he's completely fine with the stroller. He's very comfortable. We pad um, his sides of his body with towels, so he's well supported. We know exactly how to position him, and we know to we know how we know to look for cues for discomfort uh, of, of of bad positioning. And so he's he's usually pretty communicative, and, and will let us know that he's not comfortable. So how is Ramya feeling or dealing with the fact that well he's getting too heavy for her to to do these things? You know, mom holding their baby is is a big thing. How, how's how's it impacting her? From your point of view, you can't speak for her. I know, <laughs> right? Um, so she she cannot lift him and put him in the car seat, but that doesn't stop her from still lifting him and playing with him. Uh, that he's still not too heavy for that. She's very happy doing that and keeping him in in, in her lap or lifting him and like cajoling him, uh, walking around with him. She's she's still doing all of that, and so that means that part, that point of mom not being able to lift the child has not happened yet. We hope uh, that we will we will have therapies down the line that could help us at least get him a little bit more strength. Uh, one of the difficulties now is that because of his hypotonia, he ends up feeling like a blob that just like bunkers all the weight down. And especially when he's tired, he's even heavier to lift because all of his muscles are not holding his body, holding his bones. It's all just falling in our hands when we lift him. Kids are generally this heavy, but don't have hypotonia. They're much easier to lift. We are hoping that if we get a therapy that could get a little bit of improvement for his hypotonia, that he'll become a little bit easier to lift. And he can hopefully lift his own hands and lift his own legs to a point where he can support his body while we lift him as well. Oh, it just as you're describing it, I never thought of that. The, the impact of hypotonia on you guys, he can't put his arm around your neck and kind of hold himself up a little. You're doing that. And you described it well. I would think almost like holding a bag of, of sand that's loose and moving around. So a bag of sand is actually easier to lift uh, than the same weight uh, of, of human. With, with the baby, the problem is his head is falling to one side, his hands are falling to another side, his legs are falling to another side. And so we have to collect and hold all of that together. Uh, otherwise, it, it'll all be just like falling on every one of those sides. So um, imagine a bag of sand with that shape like a human. So does he like going for rides in the car? Now he is. Previously, he didn't used to. So there was a period of about one and a half years where he hated going right to the car. So we'd never put him in the car seat. We just like have him seated on our laps. That's a violation of the traffic rules. But, you know, we either deal with the traffic violation or we deal with the kid that keeps vomiting. Um, and when he vomits, he's not going to be comfortable. He's going to choke. We don't want to have anything go back into his lungs. Uh, and so for safety, this was sort of the, the best position that we could keep him in. And after COVID, we've started taking him on car rides every day in the evenings. So we'd, we'd drive him around for half hour. I think it's a combination of a sort of improvement in, in communication, improvement in his vision, and also his, his trust on us, and that he's very comfortable in cars now. 
he's smiling he's 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 a little chatty he can go we can go on for a ride for about an hour hour and a half without any incidents uh without even seeing a discomfort in his face he's obviously not moving his body which means he's going to be his body's going to ache after we we remove him from the car seat and so that's something that we would be careful about to not drive him too far in in the seat because he's going to be in one position through the time but otherwise he's gotten way more comfortable than before that's good you're spending you know time in the car with him and so getting to the medical appointments and so definitely have to have him comfortable and you comfortable to be able to drive safely too so that's good the training yeah we're training him and these this these trainings are different from his usual travels in the car which tend to be to a doctor's appointment or through through a therapy where he can sense the uh, the urgency and the stress that we have and then on the way back he's obviously exhausted and tired and so every one of the car uh, travels for him used to be very stressful and and now that with covid we've just been taking jolly rides in the car i, I think he's starting to get used to the fact that oh car rides could be fun and he's he's also learned the sign for going in a car um and so he he really starts to laugh when we show the sign um that's a that's a sign that he really likes going in the car uh the moment we you know sit in the car to put him in the car seat he starts to smile and laugh so he's excited about that and so he's definitely shown a lot of signs that he is getting used to the idea of going in a car excited about it that's really cool I'm just fascinated a couple of things you said here about him being communicative you just talked about he's understanding the signs you guys are finding a way to communicate that's kind of over and above you know getting your kid to learn how to talk or listen you you're figuring it out and it's just amazing human capacity we have to be able to communicate with each other in different ways um, and to to hear that i'm just i'm just thrilled uh, that he's understanding signs yeah he has his own language he has his signs he, that he cannot do but he, we do the signs he has a frown and a smile that's all he needs to say yes and no and anything in between um he knows when to show discomfort uh, with his hands he has a specific way of moving his hands to show discomfort he knows when to show that he's really excited around 8 o'clock to 8:15 in the night he would start to show a sign that says that he needs to be picked up and cuddled his grandpa had been doing that for a for several months now because we'd end up be eating dinner and his grandpa would be keeping him in his lap and playing with him and so he's gotten used to the pattern and it doesn't it doesn't matter who sits in front of him at at 8 or 8:15 he'd start to frown and his frown would be like he'd smile he'd, he'd be super happy and suddenly he'd frown and then he'd, he'd be happy again and he'd frown again and that just means that he needs to be picked up and kept in his lap and cuddled that's what he wants there so he's very prescriptive about what he wants and we've we've started to notice these patterns and pay attention to that and so he's he's way more communicative with he's using everything he can to communicate and i think his that's that's just one of his strongest strengths uh, skills at this point If you'd like to follow Raghav's story, please subscribe to Raising Rare 